Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Support WrestleTalk. Donate on Patreon. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Luke Owen, joined once again, again. by El Vegador Laurie. Hey, mate. How's Two going, days mate? in a row. Absolutely. Who can imagine? Quite lovely, really, going up in the world. This is the NXT caller. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah, I'm but across all of them. I now. was going to say, you know, you literally are. Alistair I am <laughs> Jonathan Gargarano. <laughs> Uh, how's your day been? It's been very busy. Uh, got quite a lot on. Yeah, it's been a busy day today. Yeah. And me and Laurie, me and Laurie, you are Laurie. Me and Ollie have still got more. We've got to do the magazine show to record. We've got Patreon yeah. shout outs to do. The studio is, yeah, pretty jam packed. Uh, currently yeah busy busy days at the moment but that's a good thing and yeah. we're in the you know we're on the road to wrestlemania it's got, it's supposed to be busy yeah. uh what did you get up to last night so last night i went to my brother's house to mm-hmm. celebrate pokemon day uh my brother works at the pokemon company as i mentioned before um so they had a viewing party when the direct happened for uh sword and shield uh, and then i just went around his house had a bit of dinner Mm-hmm. Watched a few Pokemon-related videos, and then we played Smash Bros. until quite early in the morning. Ace. Had quite a lot of gin. Mm-hmm. I wasn't very good at Smash Bros. <laughs> <laughs> Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, there's always the that. gin was nice. Gin's always nice. Mm. And me and my wife last night decided that we were going to have a bottle of wine, because she's not been very well, but she's starting to feel a bit better. So mm. we had a bottle of wine to be like, and apparently it's good for colds and whatnot. Red or white? Red. Mm. Uh, a nice bottle of Yellowtail, which is our favourite. The Red's Shiraz. The, the true choice. Absolutely. And then uh, we had a couple of gins afterwards while we debated corporations, essentially, <laughs> and, and uh, the, the, the good and negatives of them. It was a very, very hippie-ish debate. Mm. But it was better than watching Hypothetical, which is a uh, show that's on Dave which is... Oh, yes. That's... Uh, uh, I can't remember. James Acast. It's James Acast and, and Josh Widdicombe. Josh Widdicombe, that's his name. It is a podcast at best. Yeah. Um, probably shouldn't be a TV show, though. Dave has got money. Yeah, that I they guess. spend badly. Well, yeah. I mean, it works for Taskmaster. Like, Taskmaster's the only big thing on Dave. Right. It's that's the is, only thing they've done that... Over the all. heads of all the American listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, and Taskmaster feels like that is a concept that you can sell elsewhere. Yeah. Like to an American market, you could easily sell the Taskmaster <clears throat> yeah. show format. 
They're doing a live show uh, oh. at the BFI. Yeah, Ooh. my wife's trying to get tickets for it. That's what that was our uh, Valentine's gift to each other. She's trying to get some tickets sorted, but it's sold out. Uh, we mentioned in the show that you're about to listen to that we got an email in about NXT. Mm-hmm. So well, I thought we'll do, we'll discuss this now. This is uh, like Back to the Future level stuff. It is a little <laughs> bit, yeah. I suppose it is. Uh, th- so this came in from uh, Jaren, uh, who sent in an email that was called uh, "Why NXT is Not Better Than the Main WWE Roster." antagonistic title and he has uh, in all caps put is not better so it really does look like a wrestle talk headline yeah yeah oh absolutely he i mean and it worked because mm. i clicked into this email very quickly so <laughs> congrats it it you know you don't play if the formula works you yeah, stick to but, it yeah so he writes, uh, okay, so before I begin this email, I must say, TakeOver events are the most exciting events in all of WWE. There's no argument there. However, personally, I think NXT TV has it easier than WWE's main roster, and we give them too much credit on a week-to-week basis. First off, NXT barely has commercials. They're on their own network and don't have to pay advertisers. I guarantee if NXT was on TV every week, the commercial breaks would take away from the excitement and momentum from the matches, just like they do on Raw and SmackDown. Now, my argument to that would be that Raw doesn't always have ad breaks in their matches because it feels like Raw structure their shows better around putting the ad breaks in. Ad breaks do happen in matches. Yeah. And it's where you choose to have your ad breaks. Yeah. Like I think the key is choose entrances. Yeah. Like not every entrance needs to be shown in full and obviously like that that's the key. like more of the sort of change over time between matches should probably just be where the ad breaks are. Exactly, yeah. And it's uh, NXT back in the day used to have their ad breaks in the middle of their matches because mm-hmm. the shows were also on TV stations this that, and the other yeah. but I feel that like they've kind of learned just to kind of structure the shows better and be like well we'll just put the ad breaks here rather than in matches because putting them in matches takes away from momentum yeah like he says and you're and you're absolutely right if they were on a TV network then they likely would have ma- like ad breaks in their matches but I also think they would be smart enough to structure a match so it's not just now you go to rest holds. Yeah. Well, they still have adverts. Like they, yeah, they're yeah. just adverts for more WWE stuff. Yeah. Like it's just for different bits of WWE. So it's like there is still breaks from NXT. I think just the thing with NXT is it just moves at a faster clip because it's an hour long. That's like it. That's just... really the benefit the show has. It's yeah. an hour shorter than SmackDown and it's two hours shorter than Raw. There are three episodes of NXT for, you know, per Raw episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's so of course Raw is going to feel like it's draggier. It's two hours longer. But if Raw just if Raw structured itself to be 10 minute segments with the five minute ad breaks or whatever it is you get like mm. ad breaks are huge in America whatever the, the and plentiful like whatever the <laughs> whatever the ad breaks are there like if you structured it around that like each segment didn't spill over ad breaks yeah then you kind of you'd have a nice fast moving show where it felt like loads happened you'd probably get a bit fatigued by the end of it three yeah. hours of like 60 different things but I think that's the key of NXT is that they do a lot of like one minuteers two minuteers and then there's like a 10 minute match and then once, once minute segment, two minute segment, three minute segment, ten minute match. Like yeah. it just goes all the way through. 
Uh, back to Jaren's email. Second, NXT has way more filler matches than the main roster. Two-thirds of the weekly show don't build to anything that's happening at TakeOver, and the only reason they get away with it is because it's developmental. They need to introduce new faces. But in most cases, such as the women's tag team match on yesterday's NXT episode, the wrestling kind of sucks. Okay, maybe that's just Vanessa Bourne. So they have filler and sometimes bad wrestling in a one-hour show, and yet because of the amazing TakeOver event and the Johnny Tommaso storyline, we all seem to look past the constant drag that the weekly show can be. I don't think that NXT is much better than WWE's main roster, only the TakeOver events are. I think the scale is SmackDown, NXT, Raw. I'm also a filthy mark, so I'd like to know what you guys think. I disagree with that. I think that NXT does have matches that don't build to anything, Mm -hmm. but they also are matches that are, as you say, here are faces and here are people, and eventually we are going to see more of them. It's a developmental TV show, so they have to put these people out there so they can get TV exposure. And I would much rather watch... Um, I would much rather watch Bourne and Aaliyah versus Zia Lee and Tainara Conti than Braun versus Bobby Lashley that's going nowhere and building to nothing. Well, this is the thing. Or so, like, the, Angle versus Jinder. Right. So, but the, the argument to say that like these matches don't go anywhere, this tag match built off a thing last week. Like There was a thing last week. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And then now we get this match. Yeah. So there, there is build there. There is progression. There is story. I think the difference is it feels like nothing's happening in certain aspects because there's only three titles on NXT. Like they've only and they've only in the last year and a bit added the North American title. So, like, the, I think it's not as galling when matches don't build to a title shot or to a takeover or whatever for NXT because on Raw and SmackDown there's people doing nothing, but there's things they could be doing. Yeah, and that's the, the SmackDown and Raw don't make enough of oh the US Championship, the Intercontinental Belt. They just get flopped around onto whoever's sort of in vogue backstage at the moment, it seems like. And that's then that's the problem is that there's all these people that you could be building to something with and they just don't they yeah. are actually filling time because they could be doing something. In NXT, they're not filling time, they're getting developmental practice and slowly building little feuds and stories that, that might go somewhere. But some yeah. some of it is just your it's your time in front of a crowd in you know in the ring. The model's also completely different as well. NXT has five takeover events a year, yeah. and you have two and a bit months to build to each of those mm-hmm. shows. So, and, and then those takeover shows only have five matches on them. Right. So you're building 25 matches a year, and yet you've got two and a half months each time to build those five matches. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be episodes of NXT which feels like, well, this was an episode of developmental. And we've done episodes on this show where we were like, yeah, and that was an episode of developmental TV. Mm-hmm. But it had this, this was further, this was done. And and I don't think that we've been every episode of NXT, that was the, the best episode, that was brilliant, that was no. better than this. I think there have been... We've done more episodes of the show where we've gone like, yeah, you know, that was it was a good show. I would recommend tuning into this, this, and this, mm-hmm. as opposed to like it was this week. You're like, oh my god, this week was absolutely awesome. Yeah, it was a must this week. So I think, yeah, so I, I think that it's that sometimes does feel like there is more filler because they have more time they need to fill before they can get to the next takeover event. Whereas Raw and SmackDown have a pay per view every three weeks. Seemingly. Yeah, you have to save the payoffs in, a, yeah. in NXT. And but they have a pay per view every three weeks, and yet they still have Angle versus gender on raw that's for no reason whatsoever you get a bit more of a i think it's a very traditional kind of american tv 
structure almost like it, it feels like those you know the long seasons of 20 episodes of supernatural or whatever where it's like monster of the week mm. for a lot of it and then the last five minutes of every episode is like progressive story yeah like progress the, progress the story for five minutes and then next episode it's a bandersnatch yeah the but, and then first you know, season of vanessa the what i'm saying is vanessa Bourne's a bandersnatch <laughs> yeah it was the first season of the flash which was let's be honest borderline unwatchable <laughs> apart from those five minute teasers at right. the end where like oh, okay a good story is coming yeah you think it would get here while. quickly. Oh, you'd think, wouldn't you? But it's it's taking its time. Mm. Yeah, it's taking its time. <laughs> Hopefully, we can have some more melodrama. Ooh, here's hoping. So uh, thank you very much for your email. I'm kind of like, I was thinking about this today. This kind of email inspired me. So maybe we should have feedback like listener feedback to the shows we don't really tend to get that we tend to get people mm. to email in you know like just general emails barbershop windows get betters rusev hayes and things like that to actually have like raw and smackdown feedback listener feedback essentially to the show i think it'd be quite nice mm. i think it'd be good and we you know we can pick out i can't read out every email if i get 50 emails i can't do every one of them so you've i got a good point yeah so I, if you've got a, <laughs> if you've got a good point to make i'll read it out <laughs> so I, I am going to open up the doors i think a little bit to some raw and smackdown feedback and and nxt feedback as i say can't guarantee that i'm going to read everything out because we do have the other segments that we like to do like rusev hayes and, and get betters and and things like that but i think it's maybe a nice thing to do mm-hmm. and on that note let's crack on into the show itself we're going to be talking about though that spoilerific headline that bailey and sasha banks have returned to nxt here's the show anyway so Bailey and Sasha Banks returned to NXT last night. They were the new WWE Women's Champions, and they came out here because on, I think it was on Raw where they first teased, hey, we're going to be defending these belts across all brands. So it's not just Raw. We're Mm -hmm. going to be defending these on SmackDown and in NXT. And this was kind of like there to cement this idea that Bailey and Banks are going to be defending their titles against all comers within the uh, the WWE's greater expanded universe. And this was a lovely little moment. What a hero's welcome that they got oh, going back to NXT yeah, as well. Crikey, like a giant, larger pops than very much everyone else on this show. Like, because yeah, it's, the, it's yeah. the surprise pop, like no one's mm. expecting them to be there. So they just got this ginormous pop coming out. It was wonderful. I loved it, I popped. I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, so nice to see them back. Because like, NXT was always the brand that I watched of all of WWE. Like religiously, and I was watching it just at the tail end of Sasha Banks being in it and Bailey being in it. Yeah, and then yeah, to see them back in it, it was like, oh, this feels like that sort of like my first love of NXT coming back. It's like, yeah, yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah, it, so good. It was such a like a really organic, lovely moment, and the crowd was so like epically into the idea mm. of them being back and wrestling in NXT again. And I was just like, they even mentioned in this that the last time they were in a ring, an NXT <laughs> ring together was at NXT TakeOver Respect when they had the Iron... Well, they said the Iron Woman match. Which she actually, remembers. Yeah, the she yeah, pointing to Izzy because Sasha got heat in that match by making Izzy cry, mm-hmm. which was uh, just a great spot. We're and it, all friends now. Yeah. <laughs> and, it got, uh, and it was like a really lovely organic moment. And it took me back to that sort of period that you're talking about. Because I remember like you and I watching the Brooklyn mm. match together. And then 
a couple of months later watching that that other match and I, I think that match is often forgotten about in like the Bailey Banks pantheon because mm. everyone talks about that Brooklyn match but that what that Iron Woman match as it's mm. now been rebranded I guess really really holds up and it's really great I think it was that was like peak NXT time as well that was like yeah. that was that was I'm not saying it's gone downhill at all but that was like what would be considered the golden age of NXT. Exactly right. Especially because you had, like, your women's division was Bailey, Banks, Charlotte, and Becky. And then in your men's division, it was, like, Finn Balor was the champion. Samoa Joe had just come in. Mm. You had some Sami Zayn stuff in there. You had Shinsuke some Ke- was on his way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had some Kevin Owens stuff in there as well. And uh, Hideo Itami coming in and things like mm. that. Tyler Breeze was on the, the, the rise. And I, it just felt like it was a perfect time to be an NXT fan. Mm. That was, like... I, uh, pr- just prior to them really starting to push like the four horsewomen having like feuding with each other and like yeah. Becky teaming with I think it was Becky was teaming with Banks and, and they were sort of like forming <clears> these <throat> tag teams that's kind of where I started to, to get into NXT when it was like Finn Balor was facing Neville for the title and things like yeah. that so this was like a really nice throwback and they looked like superheroes to this crowd yes this was like a, a hero's welcome well the cool thing about it is that obviously like the NXT crowd because it's in one place all the time they've all been going there Four years. Yeah, like, exactly. Izzy, it's what are we like three years down the line from that? Four years down the line? Uh, something yeah, like something like that. Yeah, nearly yeah. four years now. She's yeah. still there. She's, <laughs> yeah. she's almost like she'll be an adult before you know it. Like, well, exactly. Yeah. When she came down and when Bailey hugged Izzy, like my notes are just like, oh man, this is wonderful. And then mm. Bailey hugged Izzy, and I was like, oh, this is even more sweet. And yeah. then when they pointed out and Izzy was crying, and I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> I was close to tears. Yeah, I just thought it was so good. And it just, but there was almost that crushing reminder of just like they could have been this over all the time yes, if they had, yeah. if they hadn't gone. To the main roster and just been squandered mm. like over and over and over again bailey in particular like this was one of those like stark reminders of what could have been if they had called bailey up with a plan yeah. and, and made her that female john cena that she always could be it's difficult isn't it because it's just one of those things with the size of the audience changing from quite small like small contained spaces in which the same audience comes every week and the the viewership is smaller in general. So everyone feels a bit more like there's a bit more ownership over NXT, I think, that the audience take in general. And then you go to the much bigger stage and you get you get lost in these huge arenas with people who just turned up because they heard of The Undertaker one time. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you're obviously gonna get lost in the shuffle. But yeah, WWE definitely could have tried with Bailey in particular. Yeah. And Sasha Banks in the post Charlotte and her just swapping, just handing the Raw title to each other week in, week out for a yeah. while. Was it because she's like a five-time Raw Women's Champion or something, but yeah. has never successfully <laughs> defended the belt? It was in about five weeks she got yeah, that. Yeah, totally. God, that was a bad period, wasn't it? And even like maybe it's because they were they were so into the crowd and the crowd was so into them. This was the best promo work that Bailey and Banks have done in so long, right? Yeah. They were great. Like they were so likable, yeah. and they felt like real people. But it felt un- yeah, it felt unscripted in the in the sense that you know you know it's scripted, but it felt like this was just them chatting. And it probably is also the smaller crowd vibe as well. That's, it feels yeah, a yeah. bit more like a comedy gig <clears throat> kind of style. You yeah, know? it's just make the people laugh, make them happy. Like people that obviously people were super hot for this as well. So whatever you say, you're going to get some cheers. Yeah, got, you know they got interrupted by you deserve it chance and all that stuff as it went on. But yeah, they just nailed this promo. Yeah. And obviously, it's only good news, isn't it? That like, they turn up with brand new title belts and be like, yeah, we're going to be coming here again and you're going to see us wrestle in this ring oh, at some point in yeah. the future against people from this brand. And 
that should be the case, I think, for a lot of the titles. I don't know. I just feel like that I'm could, that so could just in agreement be a with thing. you. We I'm so that. in agreement with you. The, what this company needs is less titles and more just going across brands. Mm. Like, it's who cares about the United States Championship? The first time, like, this week was the first time I've cared about that title in a while because now Ollie Davis has got this idea in my head that Truth is going to do the Open Challenge at Mania and John Cena is going to answer it. So, <laughs> for the first time in forever, I care about that right, belt. Yeah. Something might happen. Something know. might happen yeah. with it. The IC belt, like, Balor's won it, but what's that meant since? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it hasn't really felt like anything's really come of it. Well, it's now just called the Finns Continental belt, isn't well, it? Well, there yeah, you go, yeah. Um, so, like, I, I, I just thought this was a a really really great great segment and then you start to think like oh bailey and banks versus the sky pirates bailey and banks versus uh shafir and duke and that four horse women thing mm. i i this was a really great segment. bailey and banks versus tainara conti well, okay well we'll get so, on to that no? yeah okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah we'll get to that um but this also felt like a bit of a homecoming that they probably needed themselves as well yeah. i think like if, if ever there was you know sasha banks has been playing with the idea, probably not teasing it, but playing with the idea on Instagram that she wants to leave like the Revival. Yeah. And it's probably just, you know, it's just a laugh because she's always playing that she wants to be like the Revival because they wanted to be a tag team. Yeah. There's probably also a little kernel of truth in there that says maybe they are dissatisfied. Maybe they do want to go. Putting the belts on them is the first step. Sending them back to NXT is probably the second step to be like, do you remember? Do you remember how good it was? Do you remember <laughs> the days? I remember. I, I, yeah, I, I remember, remember that. I remember Izzy. Remember, uh, Izzy? remember 2014? Uh, yeah, I, I remember. Uh, the other thing I would say before we move on and uh, cover the rest of the show is we often get slandered on this show for spoiling things. Mm. Bailey and Banks were the thumbnail for this episode of NXT on the network. Right. And I'm like, oh, lads, come on. <laughs> I felt like a YouTube comment and being like, ah, you spoiled it for yeah, me. But that's, <laughs> how you, that's how they get you to watch yeah, it. No, right, no one exactly. reads the blurb. I have never, <laughs> I've, never, I've only ever read the blurb on the WWE network to be like, which one is it again that I haven't watched? <laughs> ah, that one, okay. I uh, only read the blurb if I know that Benoit is going to be featured in the match. I'll be like, how are they going to get around this in the blurb? <laughs> ah, The Rock defends his yeah. WWF championship. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So the show kicked off with Raw and SmackDown and NXT's Johnny Gargano. Johnny Busy. Yeah. <laughs> Completely consistent in his character. <laughs> it just feels like the same one that's on Raw and SmackDown. Unbelievable. Yeah. And he comes out, and you had Mara Ronaldo talking about how 2019 has already been the best of times for Johnny Gargano and the blurst of times for mm-hmm. Johnny Gargano, stupid monkeys. And he talks about how he's part of Raw and SmackDown. Johnny Wrestling is back, and he was Johnny Champion, but he's going to be Johnny Champion again. I just say, yeah, I've got a championship at the moment. And then he kind of pauses, and he has this moment of self-reflection where he's like, and the only reason I've had success, and you can see the thought process in his mind, and as a nice visual mm-hmm. clue to what he was thinking about, Tommaso Ciampa comes down to the ring. Wicked music. Just great. Like I always thought that the the great thing about the Champa gimmick was that he doesn't have entrance music. Yeah. But this really does make it like work. Yeah. Because oh. it's such great music. It's so good. And I thought Gargano was it awesome. In his promo. Presence. Yeah. So I thought Gargano's promo was great. And I think just that little wrinkle of like that moment of the pause mm. of where he's like the only reason I've had success. Then you have Champa come down. And you kind of have this very half hearted, hey. Well, the reason you've had success is because of Raw and SmackDown, when you're like, let's if we ignore that side of things, this still works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to get into it because they're different universes, just got to accept that. But he talks about, like, that we're better when we're together. Yeah. It's when we're DIY, we'll, we hold championships. We, we do this and we do that. I didn't really when they were DIY, and that was part of the reason they fell out. But, yes, fine. But, um, and he was just like, you know, hey, when we were together, we win. But mm. last week, you were on your own, and you lost. Yeah, mate. And he talks about how the Dusty Classic is back, and that's where this all began. And it mm. was. They were put together for the original Dusty Classic. That's where they came into NXT as the tag team for this. And he says that NXT TakeOver New York will end the same way that Phoenix did, with us side-by-side side as champions. And it was just wonderful champer puppet mastery. Granted, the crowd were also being like, no, do it. Yeah, yeah do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, DIY, yeah. DIY. If anyone was ever getting peer pressured, it was Johnny Gargano. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought this was wonderful champer puppet mastering 
and kind of like moving things around and being yeah. like, no, this is exactly what I want to do because I just I want more goldies. Mm. And if I can if I can manipulate you, a I get another goldie, but b you stay away from my goldie. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I push you away further away from taking the one, and it just deflects all of that interest. Exactly, distracts yeah. you from that. So I thought this was a really really cool opening segment. Yeah, I really liked it, and I, I mean it sets up a great what a what a bracket for the for the dusty classic right you've got now like, holy heck should we go through that now yeah let's go through that now because they announced it a little bit later in the show because they announced the other four teams that are going to be in now obviously with mm-hmm. diy it's going to be ricochet and black lorkin <laughs> and birch and mustache mountain yep and we'll get into the we'll, we'll get into the black and ricochet thing in a second but they talked about like they, well, they announced that the first round matches and one of these is like talk about a match that i should have known i want to see this but didn't think i could possibly see and holy hell now do i really want to see it they announced the matches mustache mountain versus street profits mm-hmm. lorkin and birch versus forgotten sons yeah. um mm, um black and ricochet versus the european union of tell me more marcel bartel and fabian eichter and diy versus the undisputed era of kyle o'reilly oh. and bobby fish and you're like Yes, I've got, please, I've got shivers, mate. That is Bonus City right there, right? Yeah, like, oh yeah. man, alive! Talk about a match I cannot wait to see. Mm. This is, with the exception of the Forgotten Sons, a stacked Dusty Classic. Oh yeah, this is an incredible is Dusty. Pretty classic. much all killer, one, one team of filler, <laughs> one filler. But normally, but considering that like the last couple of Dusty Classics have been dominated by a bigger team, like the authors, of like Pain. the authors of Pain, who just rampage through the first few rounds. So there are filler team, filler team, filler team, and mm. then someone tries to topple them at the end. Yeah, and then the other half of the bracket is actually a bit more hard fought. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to see a bracket where you're actually like, well, I think these could all be very competitive, very interesting matches that aren't just three squashes and a and a finale. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like, and you look at those teams as well. That I'm like, I want to see all of these teams advance. Like Mustache Manor versus Street Profits. I love me some like bait and seven, but I love the Street Profits. So that's a clash where you're like, oh man, I want both teams to go through. That's kind of a charisma off as well. Like, yeah, right. Seven versus. <laughs> oh yeah, one, absolutely. Yeah. DIY Undisputed Era. I want to see both those teams go through. Mm. Lorcan and Birch. Mm, I want to see them go through. And uh, <laughs> Black and Ricochet versus Bartel and Eichner. I want to see both of those teams yeah. go through as well. Like with the exception of the Forgotten Sons, who I just feel like we're going to bury each and every week on this show until the end of time. <laughs> so they are truly forgotten. There will be a time when we look back on this and laugh, and they're like the best act in NXT. Look, we need to get like I'm just saying, let's bury Wesley Blake so that if I ever go work for WWE, I can be the Blake. That's all I <laughs> okay. want. Fair um, and I've seen a few people as well, kind of because like, me and Ollie were very down on the fact that this week they sort of very randomly announced Black and Ricochet are now a tag team, mm-hmm. and they put the tag team on notice on Raw and SmackDown. They pinned the tag champs on <coughs> Raw, and then on um, SmackDown they beat Rusev. Who hasn't pinned the tag well, champs yeah, on quite. Raw? And then they pinned uh, Rusev and Nakamura on SmackDown again. Who's not pinned mm. them? And so they were like, yeah, these now they're now a tag team, and they're on notice. And me and Ollie were like, oh, well, that just it's so weird to just smush them together as a tag team and i saw one comment yesterday on the smackdown review that was right. like ah just wait for them to then praise the fact that black and rick share a tag team in nxt yep. and i'm going to answer that with one simple reason 
There is a storyline reason for Black and Ricochet to be a tag team in NXT. Yes. Ricochet has had issues with the Undisputed Era for months now. Mm -hmm. Like months, like going back to last year, he has had issues with Adam Cole and the rest of the Undisputed Era dorks. And Black has now had issues with the Undisputed Era as well. And so they are forming an alliance together because, as Ricochet said in a promo, they don't they don't want the Undisputed Era to win. Yes. So they're entering themselves into the tournament to make sure that Undisputed Era do not win the tournament. Yes. That is a storyline reason for them to be together. That is fine. And it's but it's also good stuff because, like, I think on Raw and SmackDown, putting them as a tag team is because there's nothing else for them to do at the moment. We are we've brought them up when. We're just filling time until WrestleMania when we actually have a plan and there's all these matches that are probably going to happen. So we're just filling time. You can be a tag team because those divisions don't matter. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, do, you know, we'll do that. On NXT, their story mostly for both of them is kind of wrapped up. Ricochet has been the North American champion. Black has been the NXT champion. There isn't really much else for them to do there. The Dusty Classic is a lovely way to wrap all of that up Potentially get them onto the uh, the Takeover New York card, mm -hmm. yeah, and then they're just free and easy to go to the main roster full time if that's if that is the case. Yeah, I think it's really, and it's clearly something that has been planned for months now. So mm. you know we've been building to this point, and now we're going to pay off on that. As opposed to they show up on run like ah tag team. Yeah, well this is like a bunch, but this is like a this is basically this one little competition just gives us weeks and weeks of exciting television oh, of like. Man. Awesome matches with great teams all in the ring together doing stuff. Yeah. Like, what more do you want? Exactly. I'm very excited about it. I think this is going to be... This has every chance of being the best Dusty Classic mm. uh, of all time. Like, because the, the lineup is so, so good. Except for the Forgotten Sons. But it's, you it's wait just until a, they go all the way Yeah, I was going to say, right? Yeah. Forgotten Sons War Raid, is it? Yeah, Take over New York. Quite, yeah. Anyway, so that's when we... So after that segment, the opening segment, we got that Ricochet promo where he said that, uh, you know, Black and he have had issues with the Undisputed Era, so now they're teaming together to make sure that the Undisputed Era <clears> do <throat> not advance in the tournaments. And then you get... You cut backstage, and Champa and Gargano are leaving Full Sail, and they walk into Candice LeRae. And Champa almost has a look at her like, mm, not today. <laughs> and just walks off yeah. like, not my problem. And, and she's then, like, again? Uh-huh. Yeah, she's like, okay. yeah, again? Huh? Yeah? Huh? Yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah? Yeah? And there's the guy, uh-huh. And Gargano's like, you've just got to trust me mm. because we need trustworthy people in this world. That's and what we need. Exactly. And she just walks off. So there's lovely little underlying tensions between this Gargano, very uneasy. Well, it's not uneasy because Gargano like shook hands with him because he buys into what Champa is telling him. Mm -hmm. But you've got Candice Larry on the outside going like, no, 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 he is the baddie. Yes. You don't side with the baddie. You don't team with Skeletor. You fight Skeletor. Unless he's giving you loans or whatever it or, is. Unless you're Beastmaster, yeah. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> giving you loans. Exactly, uh, but like, yeah, it's. Uh, but it was interesting with the Candice thing because I feel like the sort of oh, this again, aha, uh -huh, blah blah blah. It's like it's like Champers this drug that Johnny can't quit. Can't it's quit. Like, yeah, but it, totally. But it, but it all ties into the Johnny wrestling, Johnny failure paradox thing of like every time he fails, he hates it because when he's winning, he's called the epitome of wrestling. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like. He literally, he's the only person really that goes from like, we love you to you're rubbish. <laughs> like, you're terrible. You're on terrible. A, like a, on a bi-weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I love this storyline. Mm. Absolutely love it. So then we got a tag team match that has been a bit of a contentious one, I've noticed. Mm. Um, 
It was Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah who kind of formed a sort of partnership a couple of weeks ago on NXT TV. And Allegiance. Nice. Uh, taking on Tanyara Conti oh, no, and yeah. Zaya Lee, who, and like Conti had issues like the, the Bourne Aaliyah alliance well, well put oh, yeah, kind of formed in a match with with conti mm-hmm. right so like and that's kind of, so it's paying off from that absolutely fine with that absolutely wonderful where i've seen the contention from this though is people saying like this is and actually we got an email about this which we're going to read out on the podcast the intro version of the portion of the podcast where they were saying that this is why nxt is not better than wwe because WWE's main roster doesn't have developmental talent putting on bad matches. Right. And I've seen a few people say, like, this is one of the reasons why NXT can be unwatchable at times, because it's four women in a ring who have no idea what they're doing, and they produce a bad match. And I'm just sitting there going, like, it's developmental. Like, I the also whole, didn't think the this whole, was that bad I didn't match. think it was that bad either. And the whole point of developmental is to give them t- TV time and develop. Yeah. And get better at this. You get better at this by doing it. This was the best I've seen Tainara Conti be. Yeah, like, I thought she was. I thought it was pretty good. I like, thought she got her character across really well. Aaliyah was great in this match. Mm. Like she got her character across. People were pleased to see Aaliyah as well. Like, <laughs> Who'd have thunk yeah, it? Yeah. Digging um, her out of the closet really <laughs> works. Like, yeah, hang out the Aaliyah. Yeah. she's got a few creases in her. So I thought it was quite unfair that people have been very down on this match. Yeah, because this, this match is it's what NXT is designed to be. Mm. You get your matches like Dijakovic and, and Lee that we'll talk about in a bit, or you know, Shayna Baszler and Mia mm. Yim that we'll, we'll talk about later on. But <clears> also, <throat> you do have to have these matches where people develop and learn, and you get better. Yeah, uh, but also I just think is that I think the thing with this match is it stands in stark contrast to how good the quality of the rest of this episode was. This was a very good episode of NXT. So, good, yeah. so what this match went up against was a hot angle from the beginning, mm-hmm. a really big announcement from Ricochet that came between when they talked about the Alistair Black team up, then this match, then Keith Lee, Dijakovic, yep. and then... The, and the Bailey and Banks thing. Bailey and Banks. And, and then, then yeah. Mia and Baszler. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, so like, yeah, it's obviously the... The, the worst thing on the show, but I don't think it was by any means bad, and it Absolutely. was only five minutes long. Yeah, quite exactly. Um, and it, you know, it was it was basic stuff. It was working over Conti mm-hmm. after she ran wild early. Then uh, Zaylee gets the hot tag and she runs wild. Got some lovely little kicks, um, Zaylee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Bourne blind tags in, and they they hit this. It's a double team move that kind of it. it I think it works better on paper than it does in practice. <clears throat> Because on paper, it sounds like it's quite a good idea. So you've got Bourne holding Lee's face over her knee. Mm. And then Aaliyah does a neckbreaker. And by doing so, because you flip them over, it turns into a backbreaker at the same time. It's a very convoluted move, but it kind of works to a degree. But it looked like it had zero impact. Yeah. And the crowd were just like so flat for it oh. as a finish. Mm. And it's not like oh, we're debuting this cool new move. And everyone goes like, oh my God, that's crazy. I've never yeah. seen anything People like it. People all went, oh, that, that, that's it. Okay. They were like, but that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it sort of works. That really <laughs> felt like a two kick out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. So uh, I, I didn't think the match was terrible. No. But it was an NXT developmental match. Oh, which yeah, is I, what we're here for. There was some promise in there from, yeah. from various people. There were some cool there were some cool little bits. Like Bourne did a sort of reverse Bronco Buster to the back of someone's head, yeah. wrapped her legs around and just started hitting her in the head and it had to be pulled off. That was like that was cool. Yeah. I, I, it was 
interesting stuff being tried in this match. And it's these four are kind fairly of inoffensive, I find. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, uh, these four as well are going to be sort of like your next crop of top women's talents. <clears throat> I guess they're going to have to be really because Nikki Cross has already gone. Baszler doesn't feel like she's long for this NXT world. No. Uh, Mia Yim, I think, will certainly be dominating in that with Shirai, Sane, and Bel Air. As kind mm-hmm. of, I suppose, and and Candice LeRae. Uh, as you're talking. So there she are like gets back in the ring. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of like potential within the women's division, and these four here feel like, well, this is a good project for us to work on. Right. I feel yeah. bad for Aaliyah because she's been there for like, it feels like she's always been there. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's actually secretly a cleaner. I think. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's um, earlier today, uh, it's in the, the show that was, uh, Dream was uh, being asked about winning the title last week. He's kind of walking out outside of Full Sail. Undisputed Era walk up, and they're just being the Undisputed Era. What's up, VD? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, uh, Cole's like, the only experience you'll feel is me winning the title. <laughs> and then like turns the camera's like, don't talk to him. Talk about Fish and O'Reilly being in a dusty classic. <laughs> And you've got Strong, who's got no horse in this fight because he's not part of anything, just mm. doing, like, <laughs> just punching his palm and being like, oh, we're going to get you. Oh, yeah. we're going to get you. I love you. when Fish was like, hey, 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 you're farting up the wrong tree here. <laughs> like, there was a lot of brilliant little bits in this, and I, I can imagine it was very hard to keep a straight face doing it because yeah. they were hilarious. Oh, so O'Reilly great. at the end where he was like, I hate him. <laughs> I'm so mad as he walks up. Especially because Dream was like, I don't have time for you. And Cole's like, what? (laughs) Everyone has time for us. I thought it was great. Uh, Kathy Kelly was outside William Regal's office uh, to try and get word on who the four other teams are going to be for the Dusty Classic. And uh, then you can hear sort of like some arguing you know, off camera so that she, like, as a roving reporter, takes the cameraman down. And it's Belair and Eo just shouting at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and later on in the show, uh, Regal announces that uh, in two weeks, uh, Eo and Belair are going to face off and the winner is going to face Shayna Baszler for the championship at TakeOver Ooh. New York. Good, good That's a good stuff. match. That, well, uh, yeah, either way, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk about... This is a match. Bask in his glory. <laughs> this is a match that you and I have been saying. They should just put this on TV. Yes. Like, yeah. for seemingly since we started doing weekly NXT reviews, mm. we've been saying, you just need to put Dominic Dijakovic versus Keith Lee on TV, and it will get massively over, and it will, yeah. t- it will make them both in- feel like superstars. Boy, howdy, did it. And boy, howdy, did it. This was like a small taster, like a little morsel mm. of that bowler match from a couple of years ago that yes. made you go like, oh my God, it makes your hair stand up on end. But also the like... two, of the two clashing on uh, the World Collide tournament, they were in mm. the opening battle royal and they had, a, they had a big fight in that. Yeah, so this was Dominic Dijakovic versus Keith Lee. Off the bat, Keith Lee's got better music. Oh, it's great! I really so like it. So much better. One of our. Um, it's still. I like it. I like the fact it's still like it's, it's still a little bit cheesy. Uh, yeah, but I enjoy that about it. I like it's got. It's got like. Yeah. It feels 
Keith Lee. And it feels like him walking out fits that music as well, like with the pose and like the pushing back of the hood and yeah. like, you know, the, the thumb and everything. It really feels like it fits him. One of our big pledge hammers on Patreon, um, Phil Stoffer, God's Touch, he wasn't, a, he wasn't a fan of it. He thinks it's almost almost worse. Mm. But I, I, I think it's a much better presentation of Lee. Instantly with this music, he feels like a bigger star. I enjoy his sort of Shatner rap over the top of it as well that he's <laughs> Shatner doing. Rap. Shatner rap. It's, I mean, my notes here, I've written in caps lock, this is so much better. Yeah. Oh, so much better. And then, oh, this match. As I said, it was like a tiny morsel of that bowler match. So and it gave you just good. enough to make you go like, God, I want to see more. I want to see more of these two. I want to see these two have a takeover match. I was sat in the office the on my own this morning watching it as like, I've never been, because I, I came in quite early today mm. uh, for the first time ever. And uh, <laughs> um, I was watching NXT at my desk and like, I've not been in mostly when all the other offices file in here. There's like quite a lot of people come in at eight. And people were, filing, people were filing past the window, and I kept going like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> they kept having to like look in to be like, "What's happening?" What's He's happening? He's watching Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. He's watching these two ginormous lads having Do crazy a, stuff. Who having a two hundred five live match? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when you it's like when you uh, in smack the old SmackDown games when yeah. you used to make the tallest person you can, but you were like, "Oh, they're a high flyer." <laughs> oh, they're, yeah, they they do a swanton bomb. Oh yeah, uh, now my guy is six foot eight, but yeah. he does the six one nine and the West Coast pop as his finish. <laughs> Um, it was just awesome. Like you mm. had them doing the leapfrogs and the hip tosses, but both landing on their feet. And then like Lee lifts uh, him up for a power bomb, but like Dij he was nothing. Though. Like he was nothing. Like oh, up you go. I mean, I know you're six foot twelve or whatever, <laughs> but and you're twelve hundred pounds. Yeah. But up you go. And then uh, Dijakovic does this monkey flip, and Lee just flies out of this effortlessly, lands on his feet. It was so good. There was no effort to that so whatsoever. We've seen, so we've seen this exact spot in New Japan a couple of times. They tried to do it in WWE quite recently, but it didn't go quite as well. Oh, Rick, they did it on TakeOver. Ricochet did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he landed a little funny, so it lost a little bit of the impact. But they, they, this spot we've seen where someone flips out of... It's normally a hurricanrana yeah. on the top rope. Someone flips out of that and lands, and then there's the person crumpled in the heap on the floor... Who did Stare, the move. Who thinks that? Who thinks they've done the move? Mm. Staring one way, yeah. and then they the slow dawning realization that the other person is stood up and fine. Yeah, this was the best one I've seen. It's so funny because I was just thinking then, oh, the best version. It was of like that watching I've... Optimus Prime do a flip. <laughs> it was like... The best version I was thinking then, best version of that I've seen recently was in the uh, the Pac Osprey match at mm. Rev Pro. Like Pac's selling of that was wonderful. But yeah, you're right. This might be one of the better ones. I thought this was just I awesome. think it's just because it's the most preposterous. It's yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they do things like they're just their strikes just feel so visceral and real. And mm. it's just it's thigh slapping wonders. It's just oh, the I, bit where he goes up, Dijakovic goes up to do the like what you assume is probably a missile drop kick. Yeah. Keith Lee just grizzly slaps him down oh oh yeah it was you great you have to watch this match yeah it's just like to. chopping him out of midair these huge slams and then they kind of work to the outside and Dijakovic does this massive bicycle pump kick like this spinning yeah this discus yeah this discus pump kick holy heck it's and then an acai moonsault because oh. why not because why not because you can feast your eyes mate physics don't apply yeah and then it ends in this double count out. And it was a perfect double count out as well because I don't, the crowd were ready for this to continue. Yeah. They weren't like, oh, well, now they're going to do a double count out spot. They were like, oh, we're just getting started here. Yeah. And then, like, the commentators are talking over everything because they're recapping all of this insane action that's gone. And then 
the referee counts 10 and the match ends. The crowd go nuclear. Boo, we want more of this. And Mara and Alex go like, we were so focused on recapping with these, we didn't even hear the 10 count being done. I, it made it feel so genuine and, and real. And it's the sort of finishes that you kind of need to do every now and again yep. to make you think and, and to kind of keep you on your toes as a wrestling fan. Yep. Not to expect a, a match can end at any point. This is the right thing for both these men as well at this point in time. Although we're saying Keith Lee needs some wins. But more importantly, he needs to stop losing. And yeah. this wasn't a loss this was just, it's been thrown out, like, and everyone is sitting there going, well, that was amazing. Yeah. And I'm hoping that this is takeover. It has to be a takeover. It has to be takeover. That's what I've written. I was it's like, so good. This has to be a takeover match. Like a 20 minute takeover match would be just absolutely, and the and it, the crowd there will be so amped for it. Man, it's on such a, a good match. On a card that will also have uh, Volta versus Tyler Bates. Uh, Pete Dunn. <laughs> Peak down, yes. I'm thinking of progress last year. Um, and it was just an absolutely awesome showcase. And I said, I loved that finish. Yeah. And it was something that Meltzer was writing this in The Observer this week. It's why it just it sprung to mind then. He was talking about a New Japan tag match with, mm-hmm. with Liger and Ishimori. And the other people in the tag match, the names escaped me. I can't remember. I was just reading it briefly. And they wrestled like you normally would do your opening three minutes of a tag match and then you tag the other people in and yep. they go and do their next bits but the first thing they did after that is t- Liger got in and pinned Ishimori and, like, and that was it and the crowd went crazy for the finish because no one expected that finish to yes. come out and like Meltzer said that you do these finishes to keep the crowd on their toes you can't do them all the time because then everyone expects that to be the finish no. but if you do these sorts of things every now and again it can really build to something bigger and like that's building to Liger versus Ishimori for the cru- uh, cruiserweight championship for the, uh, the the junior heavyweight championship mm-hmm. so like it's I, I think this as a finish to build to a bigger takeover match is brilliant. I just it was just perfectly pitched. I think yeah. that was the key. Like you said earlier, it's that it's the quit while you're ahead. They were after that moonsault was the peak of when the crowd were hot oh, for this match. Yeah. The perfect time to just be like, no more. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're taking this away from you now. now. Yeah. yeah. If you, you want to wait. see more of it, you've got to pay for it. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's genius. I thought this was awesome. Just just so so good. Keith Lee is the absolute man and Dijakovic great. I'm even coming around to that name. Um, then we got not, the. But... <laughs> I like his flips. Yeah, no, I won't go that far. Um, the name is. I like the flip dudes as well. They did the announcement of the Dusty Rose Classic, and then we had that Bailey and Bank segment we talked about earlier. And then we got last week. You mm. and I said, oh, "I'm hoping this is the the Miriam coming out party we've been waiting for." Right. We're hoping that she can have a really good match with Baszler because she hasn't had the best NXT run yet because she's been in the ring with people that, frankly, are, are, I don't want to use the term beneath her because that has to make it sound derogatory. But like she hasn't been there to someone to, to re- match her. Match her and, and to really yeah. like show off what she can do. And that's what we got here where she took on the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler mm. in a fantastic main event. This was a really interesting psychology-based oh, match. so great but also just like i think what was so good about it was that actually it was perfectly pitched as well because we had just come off the back of keith lee and dijakovic which was a look at the things i can do match like anything you can do i can do more flips like and then this match (laughs) i could do but taller and, and then this match was like just pure i'm working this you're working this yeah and then we'll we'll use those bits 
and I will work those bits into the spots that we're going to mm -hmm. do. So it was Mia Yim had kind of targeted Baszler's hand. She had stamped on it on the, mm -hmm. the ring steps, but in doing so, she followed that up with, tried to booting her into the ring steps, and Baszler dodged. So Mia Yim kicked the ring steps herself very, very hard. And that allowed then Baszler to target the <coughs> leg. Mm -hmm. and she had this moment, because Mia Yim is screaming in pain, mm -hmm. like really putting over that this is agony. She's there on the floor screaming in pain, and the referee's asking, can she go? And Baszler keeps looking at the referee going like, I mean, she's quitting, right? I mean, she's uh, asking, she's going to quit. Yeah. <laughs> and then when she doesn't, Shayna Baszler has this smirk on her face of being like, oh, yeah, that was a terrible error. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, made a great mistake. Oh, that was terrible. I'm now going to really hurt you. But I like the fact, I like the fact that this match as well was... Because obviously, for a lot of the Baszler matches we've had recently have had, she's had her little ponies with her. She's had uh, Duke and Shafir. And this was Baszler just coming out on her own to be like, no, okay, I've got it. Yep. Like, I'm fine. Like, it's nice to see champions who are leading groups, but based on sheer force of will rather yeah, yeah. than like, you know, I'm leading this group because I should be, because I'm actually the boss. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually wicked. And rather than like, yeah. you know, like, because you feel like in the, in the case of, Maybe Daniel Bryan's a bad example, but say Daniel Bryan ends up in a stable as expected that maybe Luke Harper joins with him and Rowan. You've got two giants and a small man, mm. and it feels like they're the power. Same as same as the Wyatt family, where Bray wasn't he was like the, the charismatic leader, but Braun was the brawn. Yeah. And, yeah. And here it feels like Baszler is both the brains and the brawn. Yeah. And the other two are along for the ride because why wouldn't you attach yourself to somebody's coattails when they're clearly going to amazing places? And NXT is a brand, and you can tell this is very much a Triple H mentality, that are just happy to have heels win clean. Yeah. Because you see this in NXT UK as well. Mm. Like, heels don't always cheat to win. They just win. Yeah. Because they're good wrestlers. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you're a babyface or a heel. If you're a good wrestler, you win. When we said this about when we said this about Adam Cole a while ago when he was North American champion he would come out to defend it on his own mm. on NXT TV like it just makes it feel like the belt is worth something it's on like it makes it feel like it's one on the right person but then you you get behind the person who wants to take it because of their merits too it's not just like yeah. well you're a goodie so I'd rather you had the belt than mm. this cheater like you're not the Miz just running away and you know yeah, yeah. trying to avoid having matches altogether you actually want to defend the belt and then you build to a point where someone goes you know like Daniel Bryan saying I feel like I'm being screwed here because I've got to go in here first I've got to do this I've got to do that you're just trying to take this belt off me by you sort of fudging the numbers yeah and like Bryan is a good example of that as well because mm. Rowan helped him win at Fastlane yeah but then at the Elimination Chamber, he lasted the whole match on his own and did beat everyone, essentially, in that match, which puts him over as a credible champion, yep. which then means if you are the babyface that does pin him, will feel like even more of a credible champion Absolutely, because they beat yeah. the guy. And it's the same thing with Baszler here. Like, Baszler winning this match clean as a sheet was just... It was it was great because mm. it really does put Baszler over. And she has had a lot of shenanigans in her matches, as you said, because her little ponies are, have been sort of mm -hmm. like round ringside and interfering and things, going back to Evolution last year and then take over Phoenix and, and all this sort of stuff. So I think that she, she kind of needed a win like this. Absolutely, yeah. Well, also because her, her run-ins have been... Rubbish. Like, well, been, yeah, Baszler and Duke are very ineffectual. Yeah, they, yeah, they're, 
barely hit the target. <laughs> <laughs> they're normally just running past. I think no, they're just. Try- I think they're just trying to get the fastest way out of the arena is through the ring. Then Nia Jax in the Elimination <laughs> Chamber. Like, Bailey's yeah. nowhere near. It's like I'm going through that pod, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's just. So this was great because it was me and Yim trying to do her usual stuff, but she couldn't because her leg hurts. She had a moment where she tried to like run, but her leg gave out. Mm-hmm. She was trying to kick, but her legs weren't working. And she hits heat defeat. Yeah, she and she does this like, like yeah, and but it hurts her again. But it's Baszler's always got this mentality of her. It was like, well, it's fine because your legs hurt, and I'm just going to kill your leg. Mm-hmm. And then she locks in the Kirifuna clutch, and her hands. She can't use her hand because her hand was injured earlier yeah. in the match. Well, Yim so, grabbed. Yeah, it. that's it. Yeah. And she because she's been working over working over the, the hand. So basically, it's ineffectual in locking in the clutch. So she's like, ah, oh no, now I'm at a disadvantage here. And that just then builds up more. Yim can fire back, and she kind of hits the slam. And she goes to lock in the clutch again. And Mia Yim again stops her with the hand. And so basically just wraps Yim's leg up with her leg, uh, hand up with her leg, yeah. really ties her into a knot. And Yim can barely tap out of this because her arms are sort of like, like oh, I can just, just about do a tap. I thought it was awesome. I absolutely love submission psychology. Yeah. I love I love tiny tweaks, pointless tweaks to submissions that just like that is cool like Zack Sabre Jr. in the Cruiserweight Classic where he couldn't use his arms to, to lock in the arm like the, the arm bar thing so he does it with his legs yeah <laughs> that sort of stuff I'm so into and this yeah. was exactly that sort of like oh can't do that do this yeah it's Banks at Elimination Banks Chamber Banks at Elimination Chamber with, yeah, yeah. I, oh. I thought this was an awesome awesome match and it capped off an awesome episode of NXT mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's that it's the first day of tapings it's that yeah. first day of tapings feel oh, yeah. for NXT, your, your new set of tapings. It just felt so fresh and like just wonderful. Yeah. And it really got me amped up for TakeOver New York. Didn't even announce a match for it. No. But all the while, because what we've been doing is like, oh, okay, well, we've got all these teams here. They could be going to New York to yep. face set it. this up, set this yeah. up, set this up. All these teams in the Dusty Classic, oh, they could be going against War Raiders at, at, at TakeOver at New York. That's going to be great. Oh, what if they do Dijakovic versus Leia at TakeOver New York? Oh, my God, that's going to be great. What's Tomasa Chamber going to do? Oh, my God. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? It's just, They are on a roll at the moment. But this is what the two months building up to WrestleMania or TakeOver New York, NXT's WrestleMania, should feel like. You should feel excited to watch the product. And it should be, you should save your best wrestling for now. Yeah. like Because you want people to be there for your biggest event of the year otherwise you're not going to have 100,000 people in the arena or whatever whatever claims they're going to make about how big how many seats they can sell out like this is the point of it isn't it like yeah. you start building things now that people will be excited about so meanwhile on raw and smackdown while they're, everyone's in a panic going what are we doing? Just, <laughs> what, what is happening? Like, they can't make their mind make up. Make Finn Balor face Leo Rush. Yeah, they can't make their mind up if they want Kofi in the, the WrestleMania match or is he in the fast lane match. We're swapping between the two on a weekly basis. We banned Becky because that's going to make it better for WrestleMania, I guess. Yeah, like, I mean, I like some of those stories. That, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind them, but they're also just like, it just feels like everything is being thrown at that just to get the product to a place where people are like, oh, it's good again. Yeah. But not good in a way that builds somewhere. Just just good that people might come back next week to watch it. You never know. Yeah. Whereas NXT feels it's vital to watch now because not only is the content in the ring good because, well, the content in the ring got good on Raw and SmackDown because the NXT guy showed up. But like the content in the ring of NXT is good, but also the stories 
feel like they've one got a tailback that you can go well there's history here and these things are sort of building somewhere and you know that coming up in the future we're going to get huge payoffs yeah i thought this was a an excellent excellent episode of the show got me super psyched for takeover new york and I, we haven't even got a card for it but uh, oh, i'm yeah. thrilled loved it So prior to coming in to record this episode, mm -hmm. we watched the new trailer for X-Men The Dark Phoenix, which is obviously the film that everybody <laughs> wants to talk about at the moment. I am kidding. On everybody's blue lips. <laughs> I'm, of course, joking. There isn't a single person in this world that is excited for that movie. Apparently they've done multiple uh, reshoots and uh, advanced screenings of this, of different cuts. And everyone has come out of the advanced screen is going, oh, God, that sucks. Yeah, this film has had <laughs> extensive reshoots. This was meant to come out last year. Yeah. And it, got, it kept getting delayed and pushed back. And yeah, as you say, it's gone through extensive amount of reshoots. And they have done these audience screenings of it. And the audience feedback has always been very bad. Mm. So they've just been... This is going to be a patchwork movie of filler and like okay well let's try this or oh, now this seems very different now this seems very different it might end up being a, along the lines of josh trank's fantastic four oh which is two films that have been smushed together mm. and have just been very much tried to save in the edit it's just it's, but, it, I, but I rooney mean, mara's weave gives it away <laughs> <laughs> this but this stuff just feels like it's all we're just gripping onto these licenses for our lives rather yeah. than rather than like oh we had a really good idea for a film to make because clearly you didn't because you had to shoot it multiple times yeah like it's also the second time you've done it yeah <laughs> we're just refusing to relinquish our grip on these films yeah we gotta do this because x-men movies sometimes make us money yeah when wolverine <laughs> is in them yeah the doy <laughs> yeah it does look very very bland well i think this is the thing i think that i i think because the X-Men license, right? You've got to make this film because you've got to use the X-Men property. But they need to keep the X-Men property to keep hold of Deadpool, to keep hold of Wolverine, to keep hold of... There's all these, there's these more advanced characters that are doing bigger things with. And the X-Men now are actually... The core X-Men team is a very small part of that. Yeah. And almost the, the least consequential part of it it's also something that's just going to go belly up anyway because it's going to be absolved into the disney vortex mm. and disney will just be like well we're not going to continue on this continuity because zero people care about it yeah. so we're just going to reboot it regardless you already retconned it yeah <laughs> like, yeah you've retconned this in a film you may we're, we're, we're doing the last stand the worst of the original x-men movies mm. again and this somehow looks worse than last stand did mm. at least i was excited for last stand I think Age of Apocalypse just sucked out all interest I had in this current X-Men world. Man, like, First Class was so good. And awesome. it felt fresh Great. and interesting. Yeah. And I was like, let's just do that. And then I, they were like, no, I, no, it has to join up with the old one. I did love Days of Future Past. I will say, I thought that film was great. I felt like, yeah, but Days of Future Past was like, felt like wrapping that up nicely. Like, we're killing this thing. And this is the new status quo. And then somehow the new status quo was like, then that means we can rehash the stories <laughs> yeah. from before. Yeah. Excellent. It is a cunning plan. Yeah. 
Although we did have a good guffaw in the office at James McAvoy's. What was the, what's the line? I don't know what to do. I don't know like, what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know why he sounded like Partridge. Lynn, I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, that film's good. I hope he does that voice throughout. Throughout, yeah. yeah. Oh. But what we actually... Maybe McAvoy wasn't available for the dub and they got Coogan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I think what we're going to really talk about, though, the trailer that I was actually referring to, is we watched the second trailer for Detective Pikachu. My God, that film looks good. That is a film that looks so much better than it has any right to look. Yeah. It... I don't. I just. I don't understand. I don't. I it's don't... remarkable. But I also. I don't. I don't understand how. I just don't. I don't understand how it got made. Well, yeah. Like to me. To, like my my experience of Pokemon is that it is a it is a series that is sort of almost a time capsule because the Pokemon anime is pretty much the same cartoon it has been since it first came out. Like the structure is the same. You meet a new Pokemon, Team Rocket come on, you do some gyms, Ash never gets anywhere. Same thing. The games are literally like yeah, new region, new Pokemon, but the structure of the games fundamentally has remained the same for twenty odd years. Mm-hmm. Where did Detective Pikachu, where did this sudden bout of magical creativity come from to be like, and he's a Pikachu detective and it's basically Ryan Reynolds? That, and I think that's kind of the genius of this. Like, what? When I first showed the trailer to uh, a group of friends, uh, to, to, uh, like Heverin and, and mm. things like that, uh, she, or, she like, her comment was like, this looks like it's a fan movie. Right. Like, it looks like something that Funny or Die would have made. Mm. And to be like, wouldn't a, wouldn't a live action Pokemon movie look great? And we all go like, oh man, actually, yeah, that does look really cool. Obviously, it's not going to get made. It's not real. And then you watch this trailer and you're like, this doesn't look like it's a real movie. No. But I love it. And oh. it is real. And I can't wait to see it. Man. It, but it, it also is just like, they've gone big. Yeah. What I love, oh, about, yeah. What I love about it isn't, isn't just like, it's a live action film. Like other studios probably would have done like if it was a different film or a different property, if it was Digimon, the live action movie, there would be Detective Agumon, and it would be less just, people would care. Yeah, less people. Well, less people would care, but also <laughs> yeah. there would only be one CG character, and that would be Detective Agumon. Like yeah. I could, ex- I could imagine a world in which Detective Pikachu, the world is populated by people, and someone somewhere gets transformed into a Pikachu, and people are like, what even is a Pikachu? Yeah, but this is like living, breathing Pokemon world come to life full of, like, seemingly hundreds of cameos from different Pokemon. And it's this... It's wo- mad! It's this wonderful new era, I feel like, we're in in movie making that I, I attribute very much to the MCU style of things. Mm. Like, the 2000s was a period for comic book movies that was very hit and miss. Yeah. For every Spider-Man 2 you had a Fantastic Four, a Daredevil, an X-Men Last Stand, and, and, and a, a Hulk. The list goes on and on and on. Like all a, of the a, other ones. A Ghost Rider. You know, like all <laughs> of these like boring, rubbish movies that were just made because X-Men was a hit. So every yeah. studio was like, make me a comic book movie. I want one of those on my slate. But so, I don't have very much money, so... Yeah, and, so it's, and it ended up being pants because a lot of these... Hollywood types, and this is this is not just me speculating. I've done a lot of interviews with people who have mm. said this. 
they think themselves above comic book movies. They're like, well, we're not going to do what the comic book movie, the comics do, because those are silly and those are drawings for babies. They do not work in the live action format. It's the Michael Bay argument when he did Transformers. Like, you can't do the G one designs. That doesn't work in a movie format. You're a mug, Bay. You're Turn, a mug. Like you know, fast forward ten years later with Bumblebee that's got G one designs. What do you know? They look awesome in yeah. live action. What a funny that. Yeah, and it's funny also the nostalgia sells. <laughs> <laughs> but like the MCU they didn't care they were just like well no Iron Man looks like this so Iron Man's going to look like yeah. like this Captain America has a costume which is red white and blue yeah. and he's going to look like that in the movies we're just going to make them look like they're real world things we don't care. we're not going to be X-Men where everyone's wearing black leather because if you put Wolverine in yellow it'll look silly yeah but it's the it's the I think it's it's a ballsy move to do that in the first place. But it's ballsy, I mean, it's ballsy also to bet the bank on it and be like, actually, if we funnel some money into this thing, it will be successful because it will look good. Like, if you can if you can make it, you know, let it, I guess with Detective Pikachu, the other key is also letting the license off the reins a little bit because Pokemon has always been a very safe property, like I said. Detective Pikachu feels like kind of a risk. Even some of the marketing materials they put out with Ryan Reynolds doing his silly like skit that he did. Do you see that one? Yeah, yeah, the black and white video. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the that video when he's like, Pika Pika, it's just me. Yeah. Uh, that Like that stuff is great. But just, I think, taking something and running with it, but feeling like you've done everything you can to bring it to life and take it to the nth degree, which is what Detective Pikachu looks like. It's like, Oh no, we, we we put some care and some love into this. Yeah. And everyone who watches it just goes, My God, they really did. Yeah. I am I'm I hope, so stoked for that film. I hope we get this with the Sonic movie. Like Absolutely I, not. I, look I, at his weird I legs. I know the legs. Look, look at his creepy weird. legs. But that's stuff you can fix in post now. Like that's we can you, shorten him. We can fix that now. They're like, not gonna they, fix that now. That's what they decided he looked like. <sighs> I'm, he's got he's yeah. got a he's a hedgehog with a man's legs and I, I don't like I don't like it. I am remaining positive. Of course you are cuz it's Sonic the Hedgehog. I think it's going to be great. Who's going to be Robotnik? It's Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um so I I remain hopeful for that film at the very least. But I I'd like that I'm also hopeful as well cuz Nintendo are very very um they what's the word I'm after? Very protective mm. of their licenses. After the 93 Mario Brothers movie, that right. essentially was it. They were like, well, we're not going to do movies based on our licenses anymore because that movie was very bad. There was like Nintendo for a while were trying to shelf that movie mm. and being like, let's not even release it because we're not happy with it. We don't like it. Shigeru Miyamoto liked it, but like we don't like this movie. I think Shigsy's crazy. Well, I think Shigsy's just like, goes <laughs> like, oh, it's Mario, but it's yeah. not really. And it's a fun little movie. Like he didn't, he didn't watch that movie. Yeah. Go like, he could have been, he walked out like, he went, the games are canon. <laughs> <laughs> or he walked out and like years later, someone said like, oh, that's a Mario movie. He was like, was it? I, I think you turned to be a fun little movie. <laughs> uh, but it's, when they did the the Metroid movie, the John Woo mo uh, movie that didn't get made in mm. like the, the sort of early mid two thousands, Nintendo were just so protective of the product. And then when the writers started asking questions about these characters, they didn't want to give any answers. Right. And that's why the Metroid movie never got made yeah. because Nintendo essentially didn't want it to go bad. Right. 
They let other M happen though, didn't they? They, they, let, they? Let Team Ninja have a bash and mess it up. No, so. mess it up, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and funny enough, actually, when I spoke to the producer of yeah. Metroid, they was like, yeah, was a lot of the stuff that we were asking about with that film ended up in other M. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. yeah. Terrible stuff. Yeah. Terrible, terrible things. So I'm hoping that if Detective Pikachu is does well and people are very receptive to it, then maybe Nintendo will be like... I mean, because they Nintendo are... Sony are making a Mario movie. They're doing an animated mm. Mario movie. Whether they might be able to let them have the reins off a little bit with that, not be so restrictive of the... But maybe they're more protective of Mario than anything else. Because like, it's probably yeah. Mario and Zelda are like their two most... Oh, we need to... Well, yeah, no, that's why I, people should make an F-Zero think, movie. They clearly don't yeah. care about that. But I think, I think that's the problem, isn't it? The other thing with Nintendo is that actually... Like, Pokemon's quite good because it's quite actually... A for for a Nintendo property, a very fleshed out mythology world um, and characters. Like you've got the Pokemon, all have personalities that you can just go. Well, that's what they're like. Like how over is Mister Mime in that trailer? It's yeah, just yeah. Like a, you get Mister Mime immediately. Like Pokemon has a lot to draw on. Mario and Zelda is a lot of filling in the blanks. Like Link doesn't talk, so. Goodness knows what voice you could give him. Well, excuse <laughs> me, princess. Yeah, exactly. And then Mario, the story is so basic. Yeah. That doesn't carry a movie. That's why you have to go into an yeah. alternate universe of New York well, where dinosaurs are real. Yes, exactly. But that's like, I think... Credit to them. Yeah. They had to make that film. I think, I think that's what you had to do. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, I don't, there was no other option yeah. to, to be like, it has to be this thing. Yeah. It's going to have to be DeVito. <laughs> and it nearly was. Yeah. It was nearly, oh, nearly... It was Hoskins, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Hoskins. It was... Danny DeVito was their first choice. Was though. he? Yeah, he was the first choice. And when I spoke to the director, she was like, and really, it's because he's short. Yeah. And that was why it was going to be they could have done. They could have done... DeVito and Hoskins. Yeah. DeVito starts, mm. he gets the mushroom, and he transforms <laughs> into Hoskins. <laughs> so long as they're still doing the same voice. Yeah. Get out of here! Get out of here! I'm Mario! I'm Mario! Great film. Uh, buy my book. Anyway, that is all we've got time for on this episode of the podcast. Speaking of video game adaptations, I am doing a special introduction for Street Fighter the movie at the Prince Charles Cinema on March 22nd. There's none of that in there. Um because it's not really that tied to the film but uh, uh, and if you want to know hey Noriyuken good yeah. one if you uh, if you're thinking to yourself why wasn't the Street Fighter movie more like the game well either A buy my book and get the sport for you or come and see my introduction where I can explain it to you um, and it'll be nice to see everyone down there that is all we've got time for. Ollie and I will be back on Saturday for the magazine show where we're going to be talking about what's next for Roman Reigns along with your mailbag questions and your crap gimmicks. Until then, take care. I love you. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.